Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Jen. And you're listening to Just This, a podcast that explores everything around being and becoming a mother or parent. We're excited to have you join us as we dive into the practical details, as well as the unseen energetics on topics that span from preconception to years after birth. So let's talk placenta. Where do okay, we start? So I think, Where do we start with the, the placenta? I think the biggest thing with placentas is that people get really like, grossed they're out. kind of, yes, kind of grossed out about it. And um, I find it interesting because it's just like another organ meat, right? Like liver, like anything like that. Okay. So people get really grossed out, but they're also very intrigued about it. I think the most fascinating thing about placentas is called the vegan meat because vegans, like there's actually no waste involved in the placenta. So they can actually eat their own placenta, which I think is really cool. And then there's like a ton of health benefits and they say we're the only mammal that doesn't really consume our placenta. Yes. I a hundred percent think, I mean, we can go into the benefits of the placenta and everything because generally, yes, placenta you know, there's no one, I mean, do you know of any instances where somebody has been harmed by like eating their own placenta? There was one case, one case that was reported, but that was due to improper preparation. Yeah. 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 No, I a hundred percent. I think the thing with the placenta is it's just, nobody talks about it. It's like so many other things around birth and post-birth where there's just a big misunderstanding and that there's, first of all, like a big gap in the knowledge about it. And then secondly, like a big misunderstanding around it because of the story or the narrative that our cultures want to tell us. And on that part, do you like, are you aware of how many other cultures use placenta as postpartum care? Um, I mean, I think that, I mean, obviously like my background's in Chinese medicine and they use placenta, like it is, it is literally an herb in our pharmacology. So, I mean, typically when you're talking those type of herbs, like you might, there is like human placenta, but then they might be using like pig placenta or things like that as like a herb. And then in other cultures, I'm not really sure how many of them consume it, but definitely there's some form of ceremony or burying or something like that. The craziest thing I have to say that I just saw at this last birth I was at, this dad chewed the cord off to separate the placenta from the baby, like literally bit it. Have you ever seen that? No. It was, <laughs> okay. was there a reasoning or like some part of the, the process of like why he did that? Was it? Uh, I don't remember. I'll have to ask him. I was just like, so shocked. I've never seen anybody chomp like the cord of the placenta. Did it just you easily know I mean? come like, off or did he have to like gnaw on it for a while? You know, it was interesting. Like, I don't know if you ever remember, but like, it's actually kind of hard because it's so like the rubbery, um, so yeah. gelatinous right? yeah. and rubbery. I forget what they're called, what it's called, the, the term for it. But um, yeah, so like, I actually thought him biting it seemed a lot easier than actually cutting it. Interesting. It was very interesting. He just like chomped into it and kind of like tore it like a piece of meat. It was so interesting. Yeah, I brought that that's up. crazy. I'm kind of curious, like what uh, invoked the behavior of that for sure. Because I mean, was it a planned yeah. thing or did it, was it just instinctual? It was planned. It was planned. And they were, um, they had a Navajo Indian, like okay. maybe not Navajo, but like a, you know, um, American, yeah, yeah. Indian. 
Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that was why too. And they were going to bury it. They were going to bury their placenta. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so the other thing with the placenta is I, that was what my intention was, was to bury it. And I actually still, I was going to bury it on the, the one year birth anniversary. Um, and I didn't, and I still have it, but I'm kind of stoked because my daughter's old enough now that I'm like, kind of want to include her in the process. And my big thing is I wanted to bury it somewhere where I know I can return to. And I just like where I'm at right now. I don't know what the like future, you know, of it is here, but I think it's, I think it'd be fine to do it here. I'm sure. What are your thoughts on the burying versus eating? Because if you're burying, you're not getting the benefits of consuming. So if somebody wants to do both, do you recommend just cutting it in half? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you could, yeah, I think you could cut in half. You could take pieces of it. We've like cut up like pieces of the placenta and like put it in ice cube trays so that they could put it in smoothies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't need like huge chunks to, to do that. So yeah, or you could do half of it. I mean, I think it's, I'm always supportive of what people want to do. I'm kind of, I consumed mine. And I'm kind of bummed I didn't bury it now. <laughs> Did you consume it raw? Post-birth, like immediately post-birth, they made me a smoothie with the raw placenta in it. And then we did, and then I actually processed it too. So, so. so let's talk about the spectrum of things, because I think, I honestly think for most people, I'm just going to go out on a limb, like the majority of people in our society, the raw and like, even like the frozen placenta parts is really, really hard for them to even like mentally digest the idea of eating like their raw placenta so like just for the spectrum of a lot of people out there as like I was saying before we started recording I meet people all the time who are having hospital births who have no idea when I say when I even say I can you know like if you want I do placenta encapsulation or I process your placenta they have no idea what that even means like they have no idea that they even have the option of keeping their placenta after birth and this is a huge thing. Like hospitals won't tell you, you have the option to take this home. And unless someone generally states this to, if they're having a hospital birth, they're just going to toss your placenta in the trash. Like they won't even ask mm-hmm. you. Right. But let's, let's give people like the spectrum of what they can do with consuming placenta. What are the different ways you've seen people consume it? Like consume we can it. talk about okay. the, the, yeah, like everything from like the encapsulation to the broth to like, what are all the ways? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So since we talked about the smoothie, that's just like purely you get the placenta, cut it up, and then you're putting it into ice cube trays and then filling it with ice. And then once it's full, you would add that to a smoothie. Usually, I mean, smoothies have so much like bananas and apples, like you're not even tasting it. It's also been used in home birth midwifery where they would cut off a piece of the placenta, put it in the mouth to stop bleeding. That's like really raw. And then you're going to go into processing it at that point. So that would mean either steaming it first or taking the placenta. What's the whole mouth to stop bleeding thing? Hold on. So they would cut off a piece of the placenta Mm -hmm. and put it in the mouth. Yeah. And that makes like that, that helps the body, their body stop. That helps the bleeding from the womb. That's crazy. Do you know about, I, I never, I did not know that. That's cool. Do you know why? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the whole point there's there's hormones in the placenta, right? This is really old school midwifery. Nowadays, we have Western medicine, so they're going to be given like pictosin and other drugs to help them stop bleeding. But we go back 
I don't know, hundred years, even they didn't have access to that necessarily. So this is the stuff that they were trying to use was one of them was placenta. And you know, your gums are very um, absorbent. So the placenta will also be absorbed through the gums. And then it's supposed to help stop bleeding because of the hormones in the placenta. That's my understanding of it. Yeah. I've personally never tried it, but I've heard people like when they're desperate and like at home burst and there's like Pitocin's not working, nothing's stopping the bleeding. They'll, they'll give it a try. So it's basically so. used in a scenario where there's excess bleeding, where the bleeding isn't stopping on its own. And then they're like, Hey, like we need to interesting. Yeah. Okay. Continue on with yeah. how we have the different ways of, 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 um, processing, consuming. So then you could just take the placenta and put it right into a dehydrator, which, you know, you're aware of, cause you do placenta encapsulation. Well, you clean and it. Then at that you point, clean it first, right? You do clean it. That's right. You want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, I guess I could. I've, I'm fortunate enough to have um, been a min- mentee of uh, Jen here. And honestly, my respect for the placenta, having done this now is so, it is, it's become such a beautiful and fascinating thing. I think there's just so much mystery around the placenta, right? There's so much mystery and unknown when the placenta, when we're processing it for dehydration, yeah, you, you rinse it and you cut off the, what is the it? The membrane. Yeah. The membrane that is, uh, that's wrapped around the placenta and the baby, you'll mm-hmm. cut the membrane off, but eventually dehydrate that part too. Um, but you do clean out some of the, the blood clots and make sure that, you know, there's nothing on there that you wouldn't want to consume. Not that there would be anything. I don't know if you've ever encountered because you've done a lot more, anything else that you would probably want to make sure it was removed. Um, like sometimes there's like meconium staining, uh, staining the poop yeah. in case you're not aware, like the poop of the baby. Yeah. Sometimes that's on membranes and actually I've seen it on placenta before too. On those cases, like I really clean the placenta and I definitely toss the membranes at that point because you yeah. just don't want to be consuming yeah. poo. But otherwise the other thing that's interesting that I find on placentas and you might too in the future is calcium deposits. which is really common. Yep. And it's hard. And that's typically from consuming Tums. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Do you remove those parts or do you, I've seen pictures of ones with those on them. Yeah. Usually I don't, I mean, usually it's not so bad. It's interesting to look at because you could tell that when people have that much calcium from Tums alone, how that's affecting the placenta in the long run, Which especially like interesting fact is if it's affecting the placenta in that, that way, it's definitely affecting other parts of your body that we just don't see ever look exactly. at. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, everything in moderation, right? Like obviously baby's still healthy, mom is still healthy, but you know, when you're consuming a lot of it, but you can tell those spots, it's literally a dark, hard spot. So that means there's no blood flow going to that part of the placenta. And if you have a lot of those, if we put them all together, it's going to take a big chunk of the placenta that's not getting blood and not getting nutrient supply to the baby. Obviously it's not deadly, but it's one thing we, especially as home birth midwives is we're not too much times because <laughs> yeah. of the calcium deposit and stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah. So Eat something yeah. else. And the other thing <laughs> you don't use enzymes. The other thing you don't use is the umbilical cord. We cut the umbilical cord. Yes. We'll dehydrate it and hopefully a cool little shape or circle or heart, but that part's mm-hmm. not being consumed by the parent. So yeah, you want to continue but with how the, the the dehydration goes after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just to pause for a minute, I guess supposedly in the past they used to have babies like as a chew toy chew on their cord when they got older. 
So they're literally um, ring. Yeah, yeah. And it's so there's actually two ways to dehydrate out the placenta. There's one in the actual dehydrator that we'll obviously use for encapsulation. But the better way is to actually lay it like on a windowsill and every day, like turn it over until it actually dries out. And then it How creates a different. I haven't done it because you have to be there regularly to, to like okay. turn it. Cause other, you know, cause it's wet. So it's got to slowly dry over time. I would I imagine it two, two, three weeks. Yeah. I was going to say it'd probably take a, like a month at least. But the other thing with that is you probably have to make sure that nothing is going to land on it, contaminate it. You know, it's in a, like a very safe space kind of thing. Exactly. No um, cats. Exactly. Yeah. So generally for uh, capsulation, in case people don't know, encapsulation is literally like making it into a capsule, like a supplement capsule. You'll clean it. You'll take a lot of pictures, do some placenta prints, which are so beautiful to have. You'll detach the umbilical cord and, and then dehydrate it before basically grinding it down into a powder, which you put into capsules. So anything else you want to say exactly. about that way of consuming placenta? Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I think that's it. I think the main thing, you know, it all depends on what capsules you're having. There's like vegan oh. capsules, gelatin Let's capsules. Let's talk about the fact, sorry, you, you do, know that, you, that can you can cook it before you dehydrate it. And that's um, a steam, yes. you can steam it. And that's very popular. Talk about the difference between choosing to steam it and choosing to go from raw to dehydration. So choosing raw steam dehydrate versus raw dehydrate. I get asked that a lot. Like, what's the difference between raw and steamed placenta? I think that ultimately I had, so I actually took mine, I did half raw, half steamed. I felt when I took the raw placenta, it was just a little bit stronger in its effects, like a little bit more energy. And the steamed came on a little bit smoother in, in essence. But from like a Chinese medical perspective, they don't like anything really raw because they believe that the stomach should heat everything up like a pot of soup, right? So it wants to be able to digest. And the best way to do that is to keep it warm. So when we add raw like ingredients to it, it actually cools down that kind of heating mechanism. And especially postpartum, because you've lost so much blood, because you've been like giving pretty much so much to this child to like build them and make them and create them. Um, they really want to like nourish mom to the best ability. So they're not really into the raw. So they will typically steam the placenta for those reasons. And then typically like for me, I actually use warming herbs in the steaming process, like ginger and things. Sometimes I've heard jalapeno been used, just anything to like warm up, create like more heat for when they consume it. And then what happens during that is it actually shrinks it. So generally you'll get less pills for the steam version than you would raw, right? It's like steaming a spinach. I think spinach is like a great example, like put a whole bag of raw spinach in the, you know, pot and it like squishes down to like this much. But then after that, the processing is exactly the same. After you do that, you're going to cool down the placenta because it's extremely hot and then you'll cut it into pieces and then dehydrate it it softens it even from the energetic standpoint of what you feel like so you had compared it to before like the difference of like a latte versus a shot of espresso as far as like the latte is a little softened and the way the energy is delivered is a, like how the raw versus the steamed you had mentioned too exactly like softens, softens the taste softens the maybe how you receive the energy in all those ways so 
the first part of digestion is actually the cooking process, right? Like the smelling and the cooking and stuff like that. So technically by steaming the placenta, we've already like helped you to start processing and digesting what you're trying to get. Does that make sense? Yeah. Some people, I'm curious what you would say to this because I've had people say to me like, well, don't you lose all the nutrients and the hormones by steaming it and dehydrating it so much? I mean, at that point, is there anything left, right? What do you, what is your response to that? I think that's the same as like cooking, right? Like it's all like, if I ate a raw carrot and I steamed a raw carrot, how much nutritional value am I getting on both of those? I think that's up for debate. I don't have any science research on it. Unfortunately, there's no big, you know, there's a lot of money in selling placentas to like do a ton of research, how people feel the effects of it. You know, I think that, you know, steaming, like it's obviously it's, I think, I think it's good. I mean, and that's the other thing. So actually, which I forgot to talk about is that when, after I steam it, I also take that broth and I actually give it to the client. Yeah. And so they're actually drinking the broth as well. So anything that's really being lost, if they drink the broth, then they're going to get those, those, some of those nutrients back as well. Yeah. That's what I wanted to move into is, um, the broths and the tinctures as, um, other ways to consume. What is your feeling about is a person receiving the same amount of nutrients and hormones and things from these other, you know, like the tinctures or the broths or. Yeah. And then, so the broth, the broth is really good. Actually, um, people are kind of grossed out by it. And I, I just remind them, I'm like, it tastes just like beef broth or chicken broth or any other meat broth that you have because I'm putting herbs in it. So it's really just watering a little bit of the, the stuff coming down into it. I tell people, I'm like, you can make rice out of it. You could you know, I don't know, boil pasta in it. If you want, like you could do whatever you want or just drink it. A lot of clients really like the taste actually. And it feels good going in because it's replenishing your body, right? Like if you think about it, the placenta took all the nutrients, gave it to baby. So there's this like an exchange of the placenta from like anything that's going into the baby comes through that placenta, right? For the, cause that's where they've lived for nine months. So if you think about it, you're reconsuming potentially what was taken from you maybe it's a way way of thinking about it. And the tinctures, I would say tinctures are more commonly used later on, especially for menopause for the mom (laughs) or like during puberty and stuff like that for the, for the kid, especially for for little girls. So I had learned or thought that tinctures were used kind of directly after like, so if when somebody ran out, like they had consumed all their placenta capsules that they would then move then to a tincture, but it's more like, Hey, hang on to this in case later down the line, you need it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could use it for it. I hardly have ran into people that actually feel that they want to continue taking the placenta, even after they've used all their pills. Yeah. I mean, but you could totally use the tincture for that too. And they even make like bombs and salves out of the placenta too, like for like a baby bomb. Like I had one made with like shea butter for Eli and like put it on his bum when he had a rash, you know? So that's like another way that I guess you could utilize the placenta too. Yeah. I mean the tincture, because they're saying basically the whole idea about it being good for like menopause and stuff is that because it's a tincture, it has an alcohol, it has alcohol base in it. So you're basically putting raw placenta into an alcohol base for a period of time, and then you're going to filter out the placenta so you only have the alcohol left. So that will basically last for as long as you 
keep it in a cool, dark place. And so when menopause and stuff like that comes up, there's this whole idea that the placenta has a bunch of your hormones and things like that to help you kind of ride the hormonal waves of menopause. Or when you're a teenager and you're going through your period and things like that, then you have the, those hormones as well too for your, for your daughter. Okay. We've covered consuming encapsulation and the things that go around that. And then consuming it raw and smoothies. Is there any other way that people generally, you know, raw or frozen um, in smoothies? Any other way that you've seen people? The basics, maybe in other cultures, it'd be interesting if anyone else <laughs> knew of ways. It's basically like an organ meat. So if you wanted, you could fry it up like you Cook would. It. Yeah, liver. Steam it. you could just eat it by yeah. steaming it. If you want to totally. spread it out over time, those are probably the best two ways, yeah. which it is nice to, in the postpartum phase, probably... If, because we have the capabilities, spread that out over time versus consuming it all at once, right? Exactly, exactly. And I really felt when I consumed my placenta, I felt like it gave me like a little boost of energy each day. And I really did appreciate that. It wasn't like you said, an espresso shot, but it was like a little bit of, it was, I felt like it was enough. Like it was like, Balancing. oh, this kind of feels good. Yeah. 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 And then from like another standpoint, non-consumption, like it's huge in other cultures for beauty aspects, right? The beauty. Placenta, that's why it's like interesting. Like mm-hmm. that. Now talk about that. Cause that's something I haven't heard of yet. I don't know. I haven't done a ton of research on it, to be honest. Like they use it as I think like kind of an anti-aging facial like, thing. Uh, yep. They put it into uh, like facial, I don't know, lotions or serums or something like that. Typically those, because it's kind of illegal to harvest human placentas. <laughs> they use like, that's where they use like the pig placentas or cow placentas or things like that. Uh, would, would other cultures though use, have you heard of, or are there cultures that do the, that with, from like post-birth using their own placentas? For their, for their facial? I haven't heard of that, but it would be okay. interesting. To, uh, so, okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's so, It's so fascinating. I mean, I guess it just like, to me, what fascinates it is like, number one, from an eco perspective, right? Like we're, we're utilizing and not being wasteful. So if someone doesn't even want to consume it or bury it, but maybe they're into like beauty and stuff, like why not? I think the burying, even that's the thing is like, even if you are totally grossed out and you don't want to consume your placenta and I get it, I love the burying or honoring aspect of it. Because like you said, I think people are so disconnected from it. And this is, this is a part of you that basically create, helps create your baby and nourish your baby through these 10 months. And it's, it's a part of you. Like it's, it's a part of you and a huge part of your baby's creation. And Mm -hmm. it's just such a nice thing to kind of give respect and thanks to that in some ways doing and honoring, like on the first anniversary is what I've heard for most people. And and just giving it back to mother earth, considering that mothering cycle, you mothered this baby, the placenta was mothering the baby as well. And then giving that back to mother earth as part of this like natural cyclical thing, honor yourself and everything you did, as well as this part of you, probably part of the ceremony is like releasing and transitioning into this new phase or whatever stage of your life. Because even if you've had other kids, like every single kid you have is a new you that is being born to a new chapter 
I want to also, so it's interesting. The first preceptor I studied with, she would always cut the cord and she said she would never cut the cord because when you cut the cord, you're giving responsibility to that person that cuts it to care for the child. Mm. So technically, and it's a very fascinating thing because like you said, the placenta is connected to mom. Like it sits on the lining and the placenta is amazing. I think it's so fascinating because you have it, there's a part that's attached to the mom that filters out blood and nutrients and everything into the baby. And yet this baby is completely protected in its own little, its own little capsule, its own little home, right? For nine months. I mean, one of the first things I say to people is thank you for giving me the honor to hold and touch the home of your child. It's like this very special thing. But what amazes me about the placenta is how things are translated through the placenta and this like wall. Like if you think about it, the mother's blood and baby's blood never even mix. This whole, there's kind of almost in the pictures of textbooks, kind of little like matrix-like area where things kind of hang out and get filtered and determined whether or not it's going to go into the actual placenta. But mother's blood should not be touching the placental blood. The blood is just generated? And created from the nutrients, right? And the process yeah. of growing. So here's a great way of putting it. Sometimes we have to check the baby's blood to see if they're um, negative or positive based on mom being negative. And the way that we can actually do that is by taking blood from the veins of the placenta. Because mm. the placenta, like it looks like a tree of life, right? The mm. the fetal side looks like a tree life. And then the maternal side looks like kind of like ground meat or something. You know, I mean, it's not that bad, but it's basically like what that is. So basically when we would take the blood, we'd wipe and clean it and then actually just take the blood from the actual placenta. But yeah, so like no, no, the maternal blood is not getting mixed with the baby blood for that reason. And that's what I also find so fascinating about the placenta is that just how amazing that is on on its own, right? Like how an organ can exist in your body and not have any really like mixture of the blood like that. Yeah. Like you were saying the difference between what filters through the placenta and what filters through the breast milk. What I get asked a lot is, oh, you know, everything that you read is like, don't take while pregnant or breastfeeding. Right. And of course they say that because number one, it's, it's mainly a safety thing for them. They don't want to get in trouble. And number two, a lot of times they don't have the studies on it because they're asked supplements and things like that. And then the third thing is that, yeah, if it does get passed through to the placenta, how is that going to affect the, the fetus, right? Or the infant? We want to know what's getting passed through either the breast milk or even the placenta. And that can include even medications as well. Working with people that have bipolar or, you know, and other mental health issues where they're taking really strong medications, is that getting passed to the fetus? And if so, what's the effect of the fetus in that, in that state? Ultimately, they'll be weighing out is the risk for the benefit of them continuing the, the medication. And usually if there's a benefit to mom taking it, then they're going to take it. I think when we think about stuff as far as like good or bad being transferred to the breast milk or placenta, we have to ask besides risk and benefits, but also how often are we taking this? What's the effect it's going to have on baby? I'm like a big believer in moderation. But I also want to say something else too, is that I think what's really interesting as well is, have you heard of a lotus birth? Yeah. Where you give, you give birth to the placenta and the the cord without cutting the cord. And I think this, I mean, we live in a bubble being in a area and and Reno now. And, but I, I feel here, this is more common now. 
but yeah, sometimes they'll lay the placenta just next to the mom while the mom's holding the baby. And literally it's like, you wait until the cord stops pulsing. And yeah, I think it's beautiful. So Lotus birth is actually, that's like delayed cord cutting. And okay. you're right. Hospitals will do delayed cord cutting. I think the earliest I heard was like three minutes. And I was like, because it takes like, like about 15 minutes for the cord to stop pulsing. Right. I, it really depends. We'll be at birth and like, we won't cut the cord for an hour sometimes because not because it's not pulsating. Once you deliver the placenta, you're just hanging out with mom and baby anyways, yeah. but it depends on how long the cord is. Cause every cord is different, but the Lotus birth is different in the sense that you actually don't cut the cord. So you wait for the cord to fall off of baby. Oh, and the placenta. So how long does that take though? Well, how long does it take for your, the umbilical cord to fall off baby? Sometimes up to a week. I've seen at least a few days. So you keep the placenta attached to baby for five days. Yeah. Wow. I see like I, my, when I'd heard Lotus birth, I just heard till stop pulsing, but keeping it attached. Okay. And this gets into a whole nother conversation. We can have on another day. (laughs) I love some of these traditional things, but also it's like, we live in the modern world. Like we have to function. Like, I mean, I guess it's possible, but to me, that would just seem like such a huge inconvenience. So the big complaint about it, it's like a huge inconvenience. There's some benefit to it. And you definitely, there's like a whole preparation to it. Like you have to put some salt and there's like a whole kind of recipe for it because otherwise basically you can't eat the placenta. Like, because your placenta hasn't been kept in the proper temperature range. So like, would you be foregoing consuming your placenta if you did a lotus birth or is using the salt supposed to be preserving it or? I I don't, I think in a way it's kind of preserving it, but it's more to like preserve it in the sense of like smell, because I don't think anyone wants to keep meat out for like a week, right? Without any smell. So they use salt and herbs to preserve it. But yeah, and so the benefit to it, like, why would somebody do this? Because it's like natural, the cord falls off naturally. And then also the idea is like mom and baby should be together. Baby should not be outside of mama's range. It should not be like taken out for walks. In it the forces bed, you around the bed. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which people so. don't know that there's the, the traditional way, like the thing that you tell is in the bed yeah. for five days, on the bed for five days, around the bed for five days, right? Yeah, I like that. I haven't heard that, but I like it. In Chinese medicine, they call it doing the month, which is basically, yeah, you're in, you're in bed and away from cold and windows and drafts and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're literally staying under the blankets with baby for like five days, having people wait on you. Then on the bed, you're moving around a little bit more uh, around the bed. So like on your room. Um, I think that's what the midwives told me. On a play devil's advocate here. I mean, I'm all about natural stuff, but again, like that's a little too natural. (laughs) Like that's a little too far for me. I mean, even in ancient times, the midwife would use their teeth to cut the umbilical cord, right? Or certain things like they'd have a nail, you were saying that's long enough to to cut tongue tie or probably cut the umbilical cord, like a nail from like their finger on their hand. Mm -hmm. How, what percentage or I I feel even, even back ancient times, people would still be like, all right, we're, we're disattaching it. But I think energetically, I can see the benefits. I totally see the benefits because babies are also born and we, it would be harder for our bodies to give birth to them. So really that's what the fourth trimester is, is this window. They are still gestating outside your body. And that's why they should be on you all the time. If you look at koalas or some other marsupials, I've, when I found out how koalas, like koalas do the same thing, they give birth and then they put them in a pouch 
like kind of like a kangaroo, mm-hmm. like in their belly, because the same thing, they can't grow too big, but then they're like not fully born. They need to be in this okay. little pouch from the mom, like a whole nother yeah. time period. I think it's a month or something for the, the koala, but it's crazy to me though, that even in ancient times, they would do the waiting for the umbilical cord to fall off. It's like one more thing that you'd be, you know, but I guess in ancient times, other people will be caring for your baby more than, than we are in our modern day times, like as a mom. So yeah. like, I mean, for I you, think... will you breastfeed baby and stuff? Yeah. Right. Right. Which is how it, I mean, really should be like, we need, yeah. I mean, we need we a community. Team. Yeah. <laughs> We totally need a community. Do you know anyone who's done the Lotus birth? I don't know anyone that's done it. One of the midwives told me that she had a family that, that did it, that did the Lotus birth within a few hours called her and was like, can you come and cut the cord off? Cause you can't take baby anywhere with you, right? Baby stuck to the placenta and wherever the placenta is at, it's not like you're carrying the placenta and the baby around. So they ended up cutting it. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm all for natural and I love the idea, but I'm a more practical person too. And it just doesn't seem like a practical. Yeah. And I think this <laughs> I mean, comes to a, like an important point around like birth and parenting and everything else. I lean into the natural. That's what I love. Ultimately, you're going to have to find something that's going to work for you and your family and gather the most like knowledge that you can. And then my thing is trust your instincts, your instincts and your body will know what's going to work best for you and your baby, let alone like you and your whole family along any of these lines. If you're like, Oh, eating my placenta. I don't know it, it is. I agree. Like it's always going to be good for you. Like there's no downside to it, but if instinctually you just don't want to do it, hopefully you'd at least uh, go for the ceremony option. Yeah. But I do know people, my sister's one of them who's just like, no, thanks. Like what, nothing to do with it. And you know, you're probably not listening to this if that's you. <laughs> <laughs> probably not I think too my favorite thing is to actually like after birth is show people the placenta because it is it's actually cool. really beautiful yeah it's so cool and like the side that baby sees is like a tree of life it's just actually really it's really yeah. gorgeous and it's cool to see like you said the house when you pull the membrane up wow like I, you can actually kind of understand it because it's conceptual and you can see pictures But when you see your own and you see like, this is where your baby was literally in and that's where your water broke. That's what water breaking is, is that membrane from the placenta that goes around the baby breaks and all of the fluid that was in there comes out. It's really, I I agree. Like it's such a nice way to, to honor yourself and how cool nature is and when it does all of this. And I mean, if you think about it, we're first tadpoles, right? Because we're literally in water. Like our first breath is the first time we're actually land mammals breathing air. But before that, we're just fish. It's kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the placenta. And we'll definitely read this book. And I think one question that we get a lot with placenta infections, obviously, like there's certain times that you really don't want to encapsulate your placenta and consume it. But most of the time, it's generally pretty safe the thing is too because whoever is going to be encapsulating your placenta is going to be looking at it thoroughly and cleaning it you could Mm -hmm. always even if you have a worry just go ahead and say hey my concern blah 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 you know usually a, a trained encapsulator will know to like if it's an immediate no or not but they can always just look at it but and if they see something then they can tell you like okay it's just probably a better idea to do a ceremony or something like that. So if you're, if you're interested and you're not sure because of some circumstance, then 
might as well just ask. Mine was the same way because my, uh, my baby was very small when she was born. They kept saying they thought something was wrong with the placenta, which was why I didn't consume it. And I didn't find out till later. It probably wasn't anything. There probably wasn't any issue with it, but I did take it home. I, and I did, I have it. <laughs> I'm ready for my ceremony. When my daughter turns five. That'll be the ceremony. Um, Is that all? So I mean, I, now that she's old enough to actually like understand, I think it's going to be really cool to be to explain to her this is what this is and I don't know like kind of keep her as part of the process of part of the magic yeah so cool well I think this was awesome and if you have any questions about placenta and you've listened to this you know where to reach out we'll put that information wherever we post this recording and I encourage I hope this inspired somebody out there to build a bond and relationship with their placenta maybe if they hadn't thought about it or experienced it before, so. Hey there, amazing listeners. We just want to say a huge thank you for tuning into our convo on the Justice podcast today. We appreciate each and every one of our listeners and your continued support means the world to us. If you enjoyed this episode and found value in it, we would be incredibly grateful if you could take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it too. Your reviews and shares not only motivate us, but they also help others discover our show. We're also all about keeping the conversation going and hanging out with our incredible community. Head over to justthis.site, that's J-U-S-T-T-H-I-S dot S-I-T-E, where you'll find additional resources, ways to connect with us, and join the conversation, plus some more goodies. Thank you again for being a part of the Just This community. We'll be back soon. Until next time, remember to take care of yourself and embrace the wonder as you navigate this extraordinary adventure.